Please open your pew Bibles to page 799. Today we'll be looking at God's Word at Psalm 82. It's in your pew Bibles on page 799. Psalm 82. Let us hear God's holy and perfect word. Psalm 82. A plea for justice. A psalm of Asaph. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Lord, we do ask that you bless the study of this psalm. Lord, may it be and acceptance to you. May it glorify you. May it feed us, your sheep. May it be used to grow in you. We ask that you do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've been keeping up with the news, you will find how many governments, magistrates, have been committing injustices people all around the world, including God's people. On the light end, you'll see things like, uh, just here recently in Atlanta, there was a gentleman who was street preaching. He was right there on the public easement. And sometimes he's in the uh, 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 public uh, sidewalks. And someone will complain, and a police officer will tell him that he has to go because someone has complained. And if he comes back and he gets called back, that he will be arrested for disorderly conduct, preaching the gospel in the street. Another situation in the UK, a woman was silently praying in front of an abortion clinic. She was not yelling. She was not stopping anyone going in or out, silently praying. She was arrested. And now... She's awaiting trial. And in Canada, during the uh, COVID lockdowns, pastors were meeting with their flock to worship the Lord in person and being arrested and going to jail and hauled into court. And we even hear greater things than that. In Africa and Asia, Christians being killed for their faith, just trusting Christ as their Savior and desiring it for everyone. So 
Maybe you're wondering what God thinks about these authorities in the lands that are performing such injustices, these atrocities to His people. The psalmist lets us know in this psalm, this very psalm that would have been sung in front of the magistrates at that time in Israel. This psalm tells us that God's response is, and but we must, as believers, be praying to He who is the righteous judge. Look at verse 1 here. We see that the psalmist's message is that God presides over the magistrates of men. It says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. So God stands over this congregation of the mighty, these gods. Now who are these gods? Why in front of us do we know that there's only one God, but yet the Scriptures say that these are gods? Well, there are three possible answers that are argued over. The one... It's leftover paganism that somewhere, somehow among here that there's acceptance that there might be lesser gods than Yahweh. That here is evidence that, um, that Israel is kind of just hanging on to these leftover ideas and they're accepting of there being more than one God. I will tell you right now that that is not what is being said here. The second one that you hear about is principalities. And the flesh, and the devil, angels, those sort of things being attributed to uh, this. Well, there's some, there's some a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of uh, that being a, a valid point because we do know that we battle those and we do know that they're in authority, that they do move among uh, the, uh, the uh, magistrates of this land. But I believe here that the third option is it that this is referring to people who have places of authority God given authority at that think of judges in our day think of governors think of sheriffs these sort of people would be called gods this is what you call a, a, the word here is Elohim but it's used as a as a, a, as a divine uh, uh, Exclamation! It, it shows that they have this sort of authority over people, regular people. Uh, Pastor read for us earlier John ten and verse thirty four, where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin there, and says, "You know, ye are gods." Does it not say that these are people that have authority? And if you look in uh, Exodus four, chapter uh, verse sixteen, you will see that uh, Moses has made God over Aaron. Now Moses, as you know, is a man like any of us. He has no. Uh, uh, he has no place in the triune Godhead, but he was made God over here, and it's a place of authority. Where else do we see, though, that the Lord attributes this sort of authority to people and gives them this same sort of um, attention? If we look, for instance, at, uh, listen to Isaiah chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, it says this, The Lord stands up to plead and stands to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders of His people and His princes. For you have eaten up the vineyard, the plunder of the poor, in your houses. So we see here that the Lord is uh, appealing to the elders of His people and His princes and is telling them that they have plundered their very own people. This is 
the magistrates of the land. This is the courts of the land. This is those who have authority. So why, again, why this word? It's because it shows how they represent an arm of God's justice. It's extremely important. Paul in Romans chapter 13 and verse 4 says this, For he is, this is talking about the magistrate, For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath onto him who practices evil. See, being God's minister, they are disposed to suppress evil and guard the innocent. It is His image that they are supposed to rule in. So, what do we? So, what, you're familiar with this sort of thing. Is God is God's ministers, and they rule into His, his image, and they uh, practice their authority. Think of this situation and how they would look like a God. You've all, you've all, I know you've all done this. You watch the news and things, and you see a guy. He's a murderer, and he's, he just got sentenced to life in prison. And he turns around, he starts yelling at everybody, I'm going to get out, and I'm, I, this, is, this isn't right. I'm going to get out, and nobody's going to hold me in, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to get you. And all while he is uh, running his mouth, expressing his displeasure for his sentence, he's got the arm of justice putting him in cuffs to take him back to the prison. And there's nothing he can do about it. That is an example of the sort of authority that we see we have here. And so as God stands in the courts of Israel, and the courts of all courts of man, he should see these magistrates operating in his image with justice and righteousness. But as God does do this, as he does stand above them, as he does witness these things, he sees the result that is actually their injustice. And that's why we see here in verses 2 through 4 that he pronounces a charge against them. Look here. Uh, it says, How long will you judge unjustly? This is God talking to them. And show partiality to the wicked. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. So they're not, they're, they're not judging in God's image. They have moved on to fill their own pockets, to do things what makes them feel like the uh, right. They're not listening to the will of God here. If you turn back to on page 736, look at Psalm 10, verse 14. And this is another place where so on page 736 of your pew Bible, Psalm 10, verse 14. It says, But you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief. To repay it by your hand, the helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. So see here, to minister... In God's image is to be a helper, to be a defender. Yet these people are taking off and doing other things. Uh, and, and by the way, this is nothing new. This is not like uh, the psalmist is just crying out because the authorities of this land have decided to, uh, that uh, they've not heard these things. They've not uh, 
they've, they've, they've never, uh, you know, been told to do such. This, this image of God's justice is actually was pronounced at the birth of Israel. We can go all the way back to Deuteronomy, one of the books of Moses, and I'll read this to you here. So look here, as Moses is directing Israel how to judge, this is Deuteronomy 1, verse 17. He says, You shall show, you shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid of any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you to bring, bring to me, and I will hear it. So here, right there going back, Hundreds of years before the psalmist wrote this, we have Moses telling those who were given authority by God's hand in the land to practice judgment in Christ's righteous image, God's image. I'll give you another example of what would be witnessing here. Think of uh, just recently, we've heard of a certain politician's son. He had a gun charge, a felony gun charge, and some tax evasion. And he was brought before the court and they were saying he was given a sweetheart deal. Now, you guys know that if any one of us had a felony gun charge and practiced tax evasion, we would not be walking on the streets right now. We'd be uh, asking for more uh, cold ice water between uh, iron bars. See, this is... This is where the problem is coming to here. That they, these, you see this, this double standard that there's this prayer, there's this praying on the weak, and there's this uh, turning heads of other uh, places. Why? Because they can take advantage of it. So look, someone. Uh, now, some of you may be crying out to hear about this as we go through Psalm 82 here, and you may be thinking, you know, we see what the psalmist is saying here that he's crying out to judges and things, but. Um, I'll never have authority like that. I'll never have uh, be able to do anything like that to anybody. Because we're not, not none of us are judges here. But see, like all of God's laws, there are many applications to this, and it covers a broad range. So think of this as. The, as you have seen these injustices and things done, think about your think about us here in the church. We are actually warned of such hypocrisy in these verses. Uh, in these verses, it's not just for them; it's for us too. It is a warning, actually, for us to love our brother. And that's what these magistrates were not doing at this time of the psalm was written. They were not loving their brother. If we go to the book of James in chapter two and verses one through nine. And turn with me there. It's on page 1631. We're going to be looking at uh, James chapter 2 here, verses 1 through 9. And your pew Bible is there. Where he, where he warns us about this. He, and here James is talking to the church. He says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory with partiality. And this don't be showing any favoritism. Don't be, uh, don't be handling one group of people one way and another group of people another way. For if there should be, if some, if there, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel 
and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, You stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Let me read that again. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name of which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. So this is a warning against us. Not only are we observing these things, we're warned not to be like them. Now, as we move forward here, and turn back to Psalm 82. We'll see that a cause, the, 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 the psalmist gives us the cause of this injustice. Look at verse 5 here. It says, They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. So here we see the magistrates lack wisdom. Now you're familiar with the story of uh, Solomon. When he became king after David passed away, the Lord granted him would grant him anything he wanted. But Solomon wanted wisdom to rule God's people well. Wisdom. Uh, let's go back to that. Look at Proverbs 16.16. 16. It's on page 824 of your Bible. It will be... And, and this is why a judge, a magistrate, should desire wisdom more than anything else. It's on page 874. Proverbs 16.16 uh, 16 reads... How much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So see, if anyone wants to be a, a wise judge, whether they be sitting in the pews, whether they be sitting in the uh, court, whether they be sitting on their front porch, they must first desire wisdom. And see, the psalmist here describes the lack of wisdom that these magistrates have. Notice in the first thing here, he says, they do not know, nor do they understand. Now, we established earlier, it's not like they haven't heard this stuff before. It's not like they have, uh, it's, this is just news coming to them, all of a sudden the people on the streets are screaming this thing at them. This is things that they know, but they are ignoring. And their rebellious, of, their, their rebellious will, they will not implement. They ignore the law of God, the very image that they're supposed to be uh, ruling in. But if we look at Proverbs 4, 7, it tells us, it says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom and get understanding. 
Because of that, because they do not have understanding, they do not understand their position. They do not understand what it is that they are to be fulfilling and how they are to fulfill it. And notice this leads to the second point of the psalmist's complaint here. Uh, Walk about in darkness. Now, walk, as you may be familiar with, in the Scriptures talks about a lifestyle. This is how they roll, as they may say, day in and day out. This is where their heart is. This is what they do. And in darkness. So if and and we can turn to John, First uh, John one six, where it talks about how those who walk in darkness they don't have fellowship with the Lord. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, that is Christ, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You cannot. Walk in darkness and walk with the Lord. They are antithetical to each other. It's like trying to mix oil and water. It will not happen. So, they're, they're hard-hearted. They won't, they won't uh, judge in the way they're supposed to judge in God's image. They walk in darkness. They do not walk with the Lord. And then the third complaint here is that the foundations of the earth are unstable. And this is basically a biblical way of saying that uh, their moral fruit is rotten to its core. Think about this. If you walk around in a room with the lights off, the odds are you're going to be breaking and knocking things over. Right? It's complete chaos. Same way that these people are walking around here in the courtrooms before all of Israel, it's complete chaos. They have no moral direction because they do not have the light of the Lord upon them at this point in time. Now this is what we do when we all lack godly wisdom in our lives. We walk around without any sort of light in our relationships, decisions about uh, all things that uh, pertain to our life. Without wisdom, we live a life that is not pleasing to God because it produces evil acts. And this is why Jesus tells us to build our life on God's Word. There is no other way to gain wisdom, brothers and sisters. Turn to page 1311 in your Bibles here. Let's look at what Christ has to say about this. And this is very important to hear Him here. Page 1311 on page chapter 7 of Matthew. Verses 24 through 27. Jesus says, Therefore, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rocks. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So see, if we build on God's Word, we don't have a shaky foundation. The Scriptures alone are what give us this wisdom. And when man walks without wisdom, when he walks around in moral darkness, when he does not 
act in the image of his Lord and Savior, God will pronounce judgment. Look at verses 6 through 7 of Psalm 82. It says, I said, You are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. See, the judges among man, the God has given them places of authority and that rule over lands, they will face the same judgment of those who are not given the same special authority. They will die like ordinary men. My mother would tell them they couldn't take a U-Haul to the grave with them. All that authority they have is going to have to be left back. God sees them still as just men. But there's also greater meaning to this as well. Recently, though, we saw the death of Queen Elizabeth. This woman had graced thousands of magazines, probably. Had been to all sorts of important meetings. um, And was probably the most famous royal face of our time. I can't... I mean, there are others that are known as well, but she... She seemed to be everywhere all the time. Even though she was given that special status as queen in her nation, when she passed away, there she was in a coffin. Just like I will be, just like you will be. But again, there's a deeper meaning to this. And I'm not saying that this is what happened to Queen Elizabeth. It's, I do not know. This is it's, it's God dealing. But there's a deeper meaning to what God's pronouncement here is. And that pronouncement is the second death. The second death. If we turn to Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. I know I got you flipping through today, but I want you guys to see this for yourself. I want you to lay your eyes on it. Page 1675 in your pew Bibles, Revelation 20, verse 14. Actually, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14 here. It says, um, The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. See, this flips first world thought, first century world thought on its mind. When you go on its, on its side, actually, it's mine, its side. In that time, people believed that your status in life would get you certain places in Hades. That if you were poor and, 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 uh, and you know, or didn't have a high place in society, you'd be in the lower parts of Hades. And your status, as you go up, all the way up to say a king, you'd have a higher, better place in Hades, the grave, the shield. But look, look what's here. It says, those who are in death in Hades, those who are separated from Christ, are cast into where? Like a fire. 
So no, what's being said here is no matter the status, the injustices that you see these people in high places do, they'll wind up in the very same place of those who are not in those places to do injustices. God is not like these magistrates. He does not show man favor. You can have expensive garments. You can have nice cars, nice guitars, nice everything. Never ever have even a cold in your life. But if you are not in Him and a time comes you are in death and Hades, you will wind up right there with the rest of them. Notice he says that they are children of the Most High. It is the Most High who they will have to answer to for their injustices, just like all other men. It is God's table in which they have a seat at, not their own. And there is none higher than Him. He is the Most High. And as the injustice among these judges seems to not be found as they do not have wisdom. Like all believers, we must pray to God for He is just. God being the Most High is who we bring our grievance to. Just like we did here today as we were going through the uh, uh, prayer here to for health and uh, uh, jobs and those sort of things. When we witness these things in the world, we bring it to Him, where He's the Most High. We pray that He takes His rightful place over all this earth as He is its ultimate judge. Think of it like this. You're at work, and maybe the water fountain's not working, or the toilet's not working, or somebody keeps nodding off to go to sleep but maybe you can't do anything about it. What do you do, though? You go to the big boss, right? And you say, hey, this water fountain hasn't worked for weeks. It's, I know it, the uh, temperature says 90 degrees outside, but it's really 109. We need this fixed. Just like that boss in your job, you'll take your grievances, these injustices that you see, to who is the most high here. Now, here's what's interesting about this picture that we have here in uh, verse 8. Verse 8, it says, Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. It's interesting that within this, in the Hebrew, we are given a picture of God sifting the earth through a sieve. You know, like possibly like you're cooking and you're trying to get the, uh, maybe uh, loosen the, uh, the, the, the baking sugar to make it loosen up, or the powdered sugar. Or maybe you've got noodles and you want the water to come through but keep the noodles in. That's the picture that we're given here. And so, and since God is the one who's taking his rightful place, and it's he who judges the earth, it therefore is that Jesus Christ is the just magistrate. Turn to page 1610 in your pew Bible there. Look at 2 Timothy 4.8. This is Paul talking about our Lord and Savior. 2 Timothy 4, uh, verse 8. 
So see here that Jesus Christ is the just magistrate. Look at this. It talks about his righteousness here. It says, uh, this is 2 Timothy 4 verse 8 says, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. See, it's Christ that is our righteous judge. It's a Christ that is the one that's got his hand over all the land. It's Christ that will move. And Jesus himself gives a picture of him being the one that does the sifting. Him that being the one that has his hand over all mankind. Him being the one that says, you have been found righteous in me, or you have not. Turn to page 1342. And look at our Lord and Savior as judge. It's Matthew chapter 25. Verses 31. Page 1342, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Here's Jesus speaking of himself. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger? And take you in, or naked, and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick, or in prison, and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Christ is the one that will sift the nations. He is the one that will part the sheep from the goats. He is the one for those who walk in darkness. 
and do not practice justice, do not live in His image, pass them into the lake of fire, eternal punishment. And those who are His people, He will pass into eternal promise. Like the murder we spoke of earlier, who had will to be free, to commit whatever he wanted to do, and end up in prison, those who are judged and cast into the lake of fire will have no choice but to go. You see here. So, this brings us back then. How do we have wisdom? What is it that we're really asking for when we say we want the wisdom of God? Turn to page 1539 in your pew Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. First Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 2, chapter 2, verse 16. We're going to read this in its entirety. Because when I want you to know, God wants you to know, that when you ask for wisdom, His wisdom, what it is you're truly asking for. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us. Let me read that again. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom de- 
declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And in my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, the eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. The wisdom of God is to believe in the crucifixion, the death and burial of our Savior Jesus Christ, and to put all your faith into him. And when you do this, you turn to his word for direction in all things. No matter what your role is in life, the scriptures will be the ones to grow you in the wisdom of God. See, the truth and the fact is, we all deserve to be like those goats. We all deserve to be given the second death. And it's by God's grace that we are inheriting eternal life instead of being given what we deserve, the second death. So what do we do? What do we do when we see injustices in this world? What do we do when we see these things happening before us? We pray. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, this is what we pray. The king, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Just like the man who had been convicted of murder that we spoke of earlier, his hands were bound and he was thrown into jail. No matter how much he didn't want to be, God can take the heart of anyone, including a king, and turn it to his ways. 
Believer, we are to appeal to the highest for our salvation and for judgment against the wicked of this world. But we are to pray for their salvation as well. Man has tried to change evil magistrates and those things his own way throughout history of time. History is full of things that we call bloody revolutions. And sometimes things will be done, these bloody revolutions and things will change just for a short bit of time before you know it. Things are back the way they were. That's because nothing changes the heart, whether it be a prince, a pauper, or a preacher, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no one can live a righteous life, make righteous judgment, but truly claim to be wise, and be walking in light, and not darkness, unless they are walking with the Lord, obeying His word, trusting in Him. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank You that You have made the weak things of this world strong. We thank You that though there are evils that are done by all of us, that You have not let us go, that You do stand before us And Lord, we thank you that you have been merciful and that you've sent your son to the cross to die so that those of us who uh, you bring to you can point towards him and say, there is true wisdom. There is the foundation of the scriptures. There is where our life should go. Lord, may the words that we've read from your scriptures today sink deep into our hearts so that we may walk with you. May we continually turn to you and nowhere else. God, do bless us in this way. And Lord, come quickly. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.